speaking of ring announcing, um, you, ever since we had Bobby Cruz on the show, I pay a mm-hmm. hell of a lot more attention to the ring announcers and, and the job that they actually do. I always really, really liked Justin Roberts, but my God, is he annoying the shit out of me in AEW. Now, you see, I get, and it, ever since you know, I got into the commentary, you know, start studying that. I made note to you, you know, like usually in like private conversations and all that shit, but, um, you know, to pick up on those little nuances. And 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 I and some of the, like the old school guys, like Sean Bossman around here is a, is a, a good friend of mine, great mentor here. And, you know, he's one of those guys that likes to call every move. Like, he'll sit there and get into, like, the chain wrestling side of it. Like the Excalibur style. Yeah, and to me, that that drives me crazy. Especially on this level. If you're into indie wrestling, if you're, like, into Ring of Honor, you know all that stuff. Right. Now, now in some cases, you know, especially with the, the indie wrestling, you might not be familiar with that talent. Or if that talent calls it something else. Well, and that's another case with it. And JR was talking about this just, uh, I would say, probably like six weeks ago on one of the SJR anythings. And they were talking about commentary. And he was like, you know, back in the day, yeah, you could do that because it was just a suplex. Right. You know, now, and then it evolved to where there's, you know, at least eight variations, but they're okay. But now everybody has their own name for it. You name every little setup move. You, know, you used to just have your finisher, maybe a setup. Now you've got a name for everything that's in your chain. But that, but to go in with the overall play by play for me, no, I mean you're there to sell that talent, and you want to let you want to let them know the backstory. You know how should people feel about that person? How can you follow that person? What do they got going on? And how they make their you know make their money is going to different shows. If somebody can pick them up, say, hey, we saw this. They got a great story. We heard about their character. They look good. Pick them up on the show. Or where can you get their merchandise? Where can you follow their social media? And that's where I really started getting a lot more of respect for Michael Cole because he has to sit there and be a fucking pitch man. I know it drives people crazy, but in some case, and, and on the flip side of that, where I do, like I, I guess I, I wouldn't say, I, I model a lot of my energy after tomorrow. Yeah. But I don't call those plays like he does. Yeah, JR. Or uh, call the moves like that. <laughs> JR is becoming a blessing and a curse. We'll have to talk about JR when we get to AEW. I think it is. But with the ring announcing, is go back what you're talking about. I probably, when I do mine, I resemble a lot of Roberts. Yeah. I'll get into, I'll, I'll get into, I, I, I love anything with an A and an O because you can really belt that damn thing out. The John Moxley one is the one that just drives me nuts. And it's like, and it's almost because it's like he's trying to introduce John Cena. But he ends up saying Moxley at the end instead of Cena. Right, yeah, because he's had that, yeah, when he had it with the John. The John Moxley. And it's See, he's like, got two, he's got two good O's in there. See, I would love that one there. <laughs> oh, fuck, let's start. The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. <laughs>
Saturday, February 22nd, 2020, and you are tuned into the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com. Presented by Hamid Media. Association with Last Word on ProWrestling.com and now unleashed at NDPW.com. On this week's show, we're talking the Hall of Fame, NXT Japan, some AEW, and Tiger Hattori. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. Find the entire HTM podcast network online, hitting the marks. Com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. That's my tag team partner. He's the man, the myth, the legend, the guy who's in the middle of a doubleheader. He's the real RBV. Rick, welcome back to your show. It's me, it's me. It's that order, the B to V. Rick Vickery, back again, hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. Uh, let me get this right. We don't, this isn't a crossover promotion or a show today, is it? Nope, nope. We're actually just going to do All two right. shows. One, one for each network this week. Wow. A standalone, hitting the Marks.com. Hey, hey, double the fun, right? Yeah, double the pleasure, double the fun. You betcha. Because Monday in the locker room, we're going to have to talk about this big Wilder versus Fury fight that's going down tonight. You know, you were asking me last night, are we going to have enough to talk about for both shows? And I was like, oh, yeah, we'll have plenty because we get to bury Tyson Fury on Monday because I expect Wilder's going to knock him the fuck out. You know, as I said, I really, I don't, not taking any sides here, but I am extremely interested in this fight. Uh, One... It's nice to see the excitement back around the heavyweight division in boxing. You bet. You know, this thing has been picking up some tremendous mainstream press. Uh, it seems, you know, now that, that we're getting closer to the, the, the big fight time, that the fans are really starting to rally behind us. And it's and that's what's so good about it. It's been so long. You know, we were talking about this, you know, last Monday. It's been so long since we've seen this sort of excitement and fans getting this invested in this level of interest inside of the heavyweight division going back to hell i you know we were talking you know mid 90s holyfield uh, tyson just, right i mean was that the last big one that you remember well i i believe you know there were a few that kind of trailed off on the back end of lennox lewis where you, you still had some of that you know a little bit of that it was beginning to fade then uh before just the heavyweights went into obscurity and you talk about two tremendous personalities here, though, with Wilder and Fury. They are out hitting this PR trail. It, 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 we've seen Tyson Fury in wrestling. Wilder could make that crossover as well. You talk about one of those over-the-top, you just sit in the awe of that individual. They would, they fit the mold. They scream professional wrestling. And that's, you know, in so many ways, that's what made the heavyweight division in boxing so great. They are those larger than life. They are the, just outside of their physique and their punching power and, and how amazing they are as athletes. But it was that persona and the character behind it that made boxing what it was in its heydays. All that said, what's better for the sport of boxing tonight? For this thing to go like, you know, 10 rounds before somebody finally gets a win. Do you want to see it go all 12 rounds and it has to go to the judges? Or is like a first or second round knockout actually the best thing in the world for boxing at this point? Like, what would reinvigorate people's interest in boxing? What's actually best for the sport tonight? Uh, let's let's meet in the middle here. I don't think you want this thing to end early. Especially with a lot of, you know, I don't want to say negativity, but maybe unease with a lot of the recent UFC fights, with everything ending so quickly, or you know, as being as dominant one side, where we're not seeing like that McGregor balance. winning in forty seconds. 
Yes. You know, I think people, they want to see, but you're buying into this hype. You know, we just talked about the excitement here. They, and it's, it seems very split, maybe 60, 40 at the best either way, but it's almost a 50, 50. Yeah. Who fans are backing here, who they think is going to go over in this thing. I think if this ends early, you lose people. On the flip of that, I think if it goes the distance and goes to those judges, you're also going to lose people. This thing needs to go between, let's say, seven, eight to ten rounds, and we have a clear-cut, decisive winner. We have one true champion that has earned that inside the ring, not going to any outside to the judges' call or anything like that. Let's decide this thing in the ring. I think that will have people absolutely buzzing uh heading into sunday and moving forward i just hope it's not a tko i hope it's not like a ref stoppage like somebody gets a nasty cut and the ref ends up stopping the damn thing i want to see somebody get knocked out i want to see a clear winner yes what we need for boxing to continue to move forward here to keep this snowball going they need this thing to be a classic true finish it's going to be interesting tonight. I'm looking forward to it. You know, outside of that, I, I didn't really think about that. You know, until you brought it up. You know, we're talking about these two at the top of their game. You know, the, the best in the world right now in the heavyweight division, probably the best we've seen in decades. Where does boxing go from here? I mean, do they have some people in the wings ready to, to step up as those next challengers? Or is this one of those, all right, we've got to, and maybe this adds so much more importance to how this fight goes down where they will have some leeway with that, you know, with the referee saying, okay, uh, unless it's absolutely necessary, let this thing go, let them fight. Well, and I think this has to come back to something we were talking about off air. Maybe I'll actually include that as like a pre-roll for the show or something. Um, When we were talking about commentary, commentary has got to set up another one or two guys that regardless of who wins this fight, clearly the next fight has got to be fill in the blank. And then some other commentator says, yeah, or you could see so-and-so slip into this spot. Like boxing very much finds itself in the same place the WWE does. They have to create new stars. They've done a great job with this Wilder and Fury thing, but we've got to get a couple other names inside of this conversation to where after this fight, I'm going to Google to see who the hell was that other guy that the uh, commentators were talking about that's going to face off with the guy who actually won this fight. Well, I'd say what what I'd really like to see here, another great point that you bring up there, Jargo, in, in asking, you know, what's going forward? How are they setting themselves up here on this undercard? We always talk about doing business on a kickoff show. You bet. They they should have some vignettes set up, ready to go, that make this entire night about that heavyweight division, the future of it. Now, you're establishing a champion now, but what's the future? Put some video packages together, and right leading up to this thing, let's say that you know this the big bout is going to go off, let's say 12 Eastern. So in... In typical fashion, if it's going to go off at midnight, you're going to see this thing begin to flood at about quarter till. Yep. About 11.30 Eastern, quarter till midnight. At that time, I think they should actually have special, not over-the-top entrances, but like takeover style to show those other fighters. Yeah, absolutely. That, that they're here. They realize that this is the moment. This is the rebirth, the evolution, you will. Of this division, of the heavyweights, they know how important this is in all, let's say there's four of them or whatever, three or four. These men right here, they knew the importance. They are here to scout because they want to be the next great. They are the future of this division. This is what's moving forward. Hopefully they have 
they've set themselves up tonight that they've gone ahead. They have figured that out before, you know, as at right now, the, the hustle and the bustle in that arena is probably unbelievable. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the presentation outside of just the fight itself. You know, it's interesting because I feel like this entire conversation has kind of been a metaphor for this week. Um, last night when I sat down to write this run, Rick, I was like, I, what's the lead story? Like, and I, I finally came to the conclusion, no news is good news. I, I guess when, when it comes to the WWE right now, we are less than a month after the rumble. We're roughly six weeks until WrestleMania. And I don't know what in the hell there is to talk about. Like we are in like this weird kind of lull right now. Like super showdown doesn't even feel like it's that big of a deal. Crown jewel, whatever they're calling blood money, four or five, whatever the hell we're on now. It just feels like a a, kind of a throwaway show. They're not really giving it the, the credence to where, wow, I absolutely have to tune in to see this show. Like they realize that people feel like me just aren't going to watch this show to begin with. So now it's just kind of off to the side. We're still kind of building to WrestleMania. We, we've seen a, a, a card be released on the internet this morning that looks pretty damn close to the card that we talked about Monday inside of the locker room. Rick, is it just no news is good news at this point for the WWE? Or is it sad that, like, I don't know what the lead story is this week? Well, I think you know, th- there are some things there, but there's so much happening away from the ring inside of the business structure of WWE that I don't necessarily think, I think that they they prefer it this way right now. They're like in a little quiet in a downtime to stay away from that mainstream attention. Uh, so they're trying to get some things in order. And as you talk about, this does seem like the, and individuals like you, you've never been overly excited about these Saudi shows. Uh, they've never been your fancy. But this really does seem like this is the least hype that we've seen around a trip over to the Middle East. And I, I believe that has a whole lot to do with the recent struggles corporately, especially that we've seen with the stock. And coming out of the last trip over there, uh, if that was smoke and mirrors because we saw some poor quarterly numbers, you know, and it kind of, okay, but we can kind of sweep these, these numbers and this bad quarterly under the rug because everyone's kind of now up in arms and everyone's hot over, you know, being stranded in Saudi. Down and out and in Saudi, whatever. So I think that that is still lingering and there's still some concern over that. There's still a lot of questions if they should be doing business here. Obviously financially it's, it's a huge success for them or, you know, it's it's seemingly to this point, but it's still, it's just that bad PR with it. So I wonder if they're just trying to stay away from that at this point. Well, and isn't it also timing? Like last time when they went over to Saudi Arabia, it was a show that's just as good or better than WrestleMania. Well, now we're five weeks until WrestleMania. They're not going to put on a show that's just as good or better than WrestleMania in Saudi Arabia five weeks before WrestleMania. Like, isn't it partially just timing too? I'd say a little bit. It is kind of interesting that they chose to do this in this time of the year. This is the closest that we've ever seen it to WrestleMania. Well, on this this side of WrestleMania, right? Because it was well, it's like even the first one, it was like within two weeks following WrestleMania. So you can hype it where you still have that WrestleMania vibe to it. You know, hell, you can almost just repeat the card. The bad news, though, if you're the WWE, Elimination Chambers in two weeks. 
what build have we had for Elimination Chamber? Like, we saw a little bit this week, but not. Well, and again, you know, inside with the Chambers, there wasn't even a setup before we got the announcements for the matches and the participants. Yeah. It, Which, just... and, and a lot of that just goes back to, okay, you do have a lot going on, uh, but you've got a lot of programming to fill each week. There's a hell of a lot of WWE programming to be spread around that you could be trying to drum up that interest to to spark that fire, and we're not just get, we're not getting it. It's okay. People are expecting chamber matches. Let's just go ahead and throw this thing together. You know, one that it's that makes zero sense to me is that you, they go ahead on the women's side. That who's going to get the the opportunity to to face Becky Lynch? Well, you go ahead and announce that after you've already started this, pun intended, blood feud between her and Shayna. And now they're just, they're like, they're just treating Shayna Baszler like she's just a member of the Monday Night Raw roster now. Like, yes, they just it just threw her into that match. Like, it just, it feels so flat. And, you know, it, it, not to continually make this comparison, but it, it is fair because you have the man is your, uh, I don't play by the rules, kick ass, do as I please, you know, anti-authority or, you know, just anti-establishment, if you will, because there is really no authority for her to go against. So we'll say anti-establishment. Yeah. Could you imagine, you know, back in the day, someone came out there and, and drew blood from Stone Cold. You know, if, if Rock or Kane came out and bit him like that. And then they said, oh, yeah, there's a chance that you might be able to get retribution if they can survive this chamber. Uh, and, and then we get this thing from Becky. She's talking about, oh, OK, I see you'll be at the chamber, blah, blah, blah. So Cole would have been out there like, OK, I'm going to go sit inside that chamber. I'm going to personally whoop everybody's ass to make sure you win. And then I'm going to kick your ass at WrestleMania. Well, I mean, to me, what they should have done, like they had the idea, like kind of. And then they just completely fucked it all up. Like, what they should have done is, this is where we need an authority figure. Regardless of if it's a babyface authority figure, a heel authority figure, somebody should have suspended Sheena Baszler and, and fined her $50,000 for what she did to Becky Lynch. Then you have Becky Lynch come out with a bag full of money and be like, I'm paying Sheena's fine. I want her reinstated, and I want her ass at WrestleMania. And suddenly, Absolutely. I want to see that. Absolutely. We don't need this because you have to put on, so-called, you have to put on a chamber match. We don't need this. There is zero investment inside of that match. Do you care one ounce of whatever is in your wrestling being about that match right now? Absolutely zero. If they would even try to swerve us, it completely blows up in their face. And if they go the right direction and do what is good business and have Baszler win that thing in dominant fashion, we still don't care because, I mean, why? You just have wasted our time. We want to get right to it. We don't want to tippy-toe around it. We don't want to play prancy ass with it. Get to the business here. And when you talk about an authority figure, a GM, if you want to call it, whatever the label you want to slap on that bad boy. What's what's very mind-boggling about this thing, we're not even, because usually we'll say, you know, you could have somebody like a gorilla or a Jack Tunney. 
It's not like they have to go back in time and figure out how to do it. You're already doing it right with inside the company at NXT with William Regal. You don't need an overbearing GM that is making every other segment about them. They're not either, you know, the the lead baby or the head heel. It's not the storylines are revolving around them. You're already doing it right with inside your company with William with William Regal. Yep. And I mean, even somebody in that capacity, it could be Hunter. It could be Stephanie. Fuck, it could be Vince. It doesn't matter, but somebody should have suspended and fined Shayna Baszler, and Becky should have protested, paid the fucking fine, and asked that she be reinstated so that she can whoop that ass at WrestleMania. Uh, you know what? You could have even gone. Well, let's give him a little bit of leeway here. You could have just made it an announcement. You have the announce team come out and, or whoever say, yeah, you know, via the board of directors, we have learned that Shayna Baszler has been indefinitely suspended for her actions. Uh, they're going to sort this thing out. You have Becky show up driving her big old pickup truck to HQ, go into a board meeting, kick the door in. With a bag full of money and just lay it down there on the table. Here's the fine. And I want her reinstated because I want to whip her ass. Yeah. Have her go up. She's got the she's got the big old briefcase of money. Throw whoever's in the head of the chair. If it's Vince, kick him out of the damn chair. Becky sits there with her feet up on the table. She's got the briefcase open. I'm here to pay the fine. Reinstate her. And then maybe then you have her kick her feet up on the table and be like, you know what? While I'm here, it feels pretty good to be the man in the man's chair. I got a few other changes that we're gonna I want to talk to you about. There, there you go. There's your segment. There's Becky with all of her talking about her shit. Because she you know, just recently. With, she should be getting more pay than Vince McMahon, that she wants to drop the women's thing. How symbolic would that be to see her go in there and c- grab control of a board meeting like that? And your sports entertained. Yeah. I mean, that's what Monday Night Raw should be. People would be buzzing about that. But that's instead, w- in, it, it, instead, right direction, totally missed the mark with that with the segment last week. Yeah, right direction. But you're, it, 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 you know, we always say, you know, the perfect spot for Ben Hamid, the VP of what the fuck. It almost seems like, you know, that maybe you can get Stevie in on this other side, another VP position here. Okay, when they go around the room with their idea, okay, if, if you want to go that direction, sure. Now, here's how we do it right. Here's how we make it better. It just seems so logical, too. I mean, it's not like this isn't a storyline that's been done years over years over years. The problem has become the show's dictating the stories and the matches that happen, not the stories and the matches that happen dictating the shows. It's like, here's Elimination Chamber. We have to have an Elimination Chamber match. Oh, here's Hell in the Cell. We have to have a Hell in the Cell match. You know, it, it used to be where you would get a feud hot enough that it would call for Hell in a Cell. You would have six contenders that all rightfully want a title shot. Well, you know what? This seems like a good place for money in the bank. You know, like. but now the way that they have put together their calendar, the, the shows themselves are dictating the matches and the stories that are happening. And that in order for the stories to work, they have to dumb them down to the lowest common denominator, as we have talked about since we started this freaking show. And you're left with what happens on Monday Night Raw. And thus, why we don't have any true superstars. There are no megastars or very few. You have your Brock Lesnar's and, you know, John Cena returning shortly, but uh, across the board. 
you know, back in the day, even your mid-card guys, they were stars because they were presented as so, because they were, they were involved in things. But now it's about things involving them, as you said, Jargo. And that speaks to the, the mentality, the direction of this company. It's about the WWE brand. Unless your name's McMahon, nobody else is going to rise to that level. It's all backwards. And so instead, six weeks until WrestleMania, we're left with the biggest story coming out of the WWE being that the WWE Network is reportedly being shopped to ESPN+. Rick, we reported on this weeks ago. I didn't think this was this big of a story, and now all of a sudden, everybody is talking about it. But this all kind of ties into the WrestleMania thing. We're six weeks until WrestleMania. I should be salivating to see this show already. I should be looking at these matchups and the way that these stories are being told, and I should be just anticipating the hell out of WrestleMania. Oh my God, can it be WrestleMania already? Shit, we still have to go all the way through March. Oh my God, I'm going to be exploding by the time we get to WrestleMania. And then they're going to pop you for $69.99 when it moves to ESPN+. As WrestleMania stands right now, that's a $9.99 show. There's no way in hell I'm paying $69.99 for WrestleMania unless you do a story like we just told involving Shayna Baszler and Becky Lynch and Becky storming HQ and getting people invested in this thing six weeks out so that the fire is so hot by the time you get to WrestleMania that you I, I, I'm just going to break down and I'm going to have to pay $69.99 to watch this. Yeah, and what's very perplexing to me is, you know, this thing picking up just traction here where everybody's really kind of taken to it, you know, with the the potential of ESPN Plus, you know, assuming the rights here to the network or the marquee events, the pay-per-views, whatever we want to go with. If they're going to make that move, and so many individuals I've seen, they need to do that, you know, where we always tell them, you know, take a step back and do a 360 around this thing. Look at it from every perspective. You know, every well, it's just this is the death of the network, and I'm not paying any. Well, okay. Outside of all that, let's let's just go back to the very basic of what you're talking about here, Jarko, and the timing of WrestleMania. If they are going to make this move, and you know they're talking about it being in place in time for WrestleMania, which I would agree with. If you're WWE, you are going to see a serious payday out of this. ESPN is going to pony up a a pretty penny for this thing. So you have to give them the very best opportunity to be successful coming out of the gate. It has to be WrestleMania. You cannot say, let's get through this WrestleMania and then start this thing. Because, I mean, that's going to just, that's going to hurt your your very face value inking this deal from the get-go. Well, and the other thing, the other aspect of that is around WrestleMania, there's incentive for people to keep the network because of stuff like the Hall of Fame, because of stuff like TakeOver Tampa. Like there, There's incentive there, so at least they're putting a Band-Aid on cutting their carotid ar- artery, you know? Right, and I, I, I had that too in, in my thoughts. Uh, but, you know, but even with going in with WrestleMania, you can't sit there and say, well, let's wait till uh, Backlash or Payback, whatever it might be, because you're going to see a drastic drop-off. And they're going to be like, what the hell did we just buy here? You know, you sold us this during WrestleMania. Now we're getting this garbage repeat show on the back end. I mean, that's just going to be uh, a train wreck if they would go there. So you have to do this at WrestleMania. But as you were just talking about here, we are six weeks out. 
if you're going to pull this trigger, and let's say you do it within two weeks of WrestleMania, you better put your best foot forward. You have to have people just watering at the mouth. Like you're, you're, you're dangling the juiciest steak ever right out there. They haven't eaten in months and there it is, baby. It's right there for the taking. You have got to be a part of WrestleMania 36. This is going to be our biggest and best ever. We're coming in. We're going full force. We're bring, we're giving you everything creatively, everything athletically. We are going to let these stars go unleashed. This is it, baby. This is, we're going forward. We need you on board. You have to, you have to make people want this, make them want this more than anything. They have wanted in wrestling since the attitude era. That's what you have to do. If this thing's going to be a success, the way they're lining this thing up right now, even at nine 99 on the network with what we've become, you know, this, the standard, the norm over the last couple of years, as you said, Jargo, what are we, what are we excited about? What hype is there? I guess the one good thing coming out of Blood Money next week is hopefully they're going to turn that page, turn that corner, and finally get on the road to WrestleMania. I don't have a, a great deal of faith that they will. Well, but it, we it, it, talked it, about this before the Rumble, you know, that we had Blood Money, and then it was two weeks until the Chamber, and then coming out of the Chamber, then you're four weeks until WrestleMania. And instead of having a super hot WrestleMania, you feel like the stories are just getting started. We talked about this weeks ago. And what's what's such a shame with that is you saw the excitement with the Rumble. And they did a tremendous job, especially at the end of that show with the Men's Rumble. People were genuinely excited. Overly excited. And you and I were, you know, in many of the circles we run and we're sitting there reminding people, whoa, 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 you know, slow the horses. You guys still got to remember because everyone's, okay, what's going to happen at WrestleMania? You know, Edge and Orton, what's Brock going to be doing there? So and so and whoa, 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 everybody. We still got to go to Saudi and we got to go through that chamber. We still got a lot of twists and turns on this road. And there's a few pit stops in there before we get overly excited. And that is something that the WWE, they, they seriously need to go. And I think, you know, less has got to be more here. You need to just pull back and focus once again on that road to WrestleMania. We, we don't need these over-the-top marquee events. Yes, I, I, I'm thinking that we were just talking about why are they? Why did they move the Saudi show in here? I think they're just desperate to ultimately, this. I mean, you're, this first quarter is going to be astronomical for them yeah. in this year. And then you're right in into yeah, second with WrestleMania. So where they really struggled last year on that back end, I think they're just really trying to overcompensate for that. All right, so you need to get rid of those and, and get rid of that that chamber, that whatever event. Use one of these tremendous deals that you have and, and bring back Saturday night's main event. Make that your your pit stop. And you do a lot of business there, really setting up and reconfirming those matches to WrestleMania and then give that your full attention. You've got all of these tremendous outlets available to you. And I don't care if they would take that show to FS1. I think it could be a success. Yep, they're just trying to do too much. Trying to do too much. Um, let's talk about the Hall of Fame. Um, Rick, we have known for a while that the basically the head of the class for the Hall of Fame was going to be the NWO as well as Dave Batista. But now we're starting to hear some of the other names released for the Hall of Fame. And one of them I just find very, very perplexing. 
Um, JBL is going to be basically your, your co-headliner inside of this thing. Where do you stand on JBL and his time on top on SmackDown? Well, you know, that, that was the name that, that I really had it. I wanted to, to talk about when we're looking at this, the list that we're seeing of the, of the hall of fame. And it kind of funny that we know more about the hall of fame than we do WrestleMania. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and really this is a, this is a, I wouldn't say it's the best, but it's a pretty loaded class. I think there's some great balance here. You, you really, you don't have the highs and the lows there. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty steady run. Uh, and I, and I think it's a, a good class, a very good class with JBL. I didn't quite think so much of his time at the top. It, it really was a, a, a point in WWE where I became much more interested in the indie scene or the alternative in the wrestling world. And it doesn't, it not necessarily because of him. There was so much more going on in the landscape that it just wasn't as appealing to me. And, you know, they're running, you know, the a special right now is the uh, the Ruthless Aggression special. You know, we talked mm-hmm. about it last week a little bit. And I, I haven't checked yet to see if they've had epi- episode two out. I'll probably yeah. see if that... Episode two is out. It's all about John Cena. Okay. Uh, I was going to check that out. I'm just going to try to make that like my my Monday evening habit before we get the Raw. So I have to check that out. But in that first episode is that, t- that teaser, if you will. Uh, you know, JBL was talking about, you know, the, the, the top stars at that time. And he didn't say himself, but you could tell that's why he was mentioning it. And, you know, he was really putting over, you know, people like Triple H and Undertaker in that. And that when business is really down, it is the toughest time for someone to step up and say, I'll be the guy. Because in that same frame, you're not the guy, you're the guy getting the blame. No matter what, what the cause might be, what the true circumstances are, it's your fault. You know, we hear all the time, you know, Diesel was the, the lowest drawing champion of all time for the WWF. Well, that was a very low point inside of professional wrestling. It's when the curtain was ultimately pulled back. You had the steroid trial going on. Vince, is, is he going to jail? A very low point. And I guess it, it does make a lot of sense what he's saying. You know, it's, it's a very difficult situation when the business is just down to be that guy that's going to handle that responsibility. And I in maybe like a second tier sense, JBL was put in there. I mean, he was he was elevated there because of necessity. They really didn't have that big star. I don't necessarily think him going into the hall should be focused around what he did as uh, his time as the champ over on SmackDown. I think it's a complete body of work. I regularly bring this up when people you know sit there and laugh. Oh, someone like Coco Beware's in there. You really have to step back and look at the complete body of work and what they really meant to this industry. For positive or negative, I mean, JPL's been along for a long, long time. The first time I ever had any exposure to him, we're going all the way back to the Global Wrestling Federation when they took over the afternoon rights on ESPN uh, for Justin Hawk Bradshaw there. That's, I mean, we're going way back to the early 90s. And, and he's been able to survive in this business that long. And just in that itself is a testament. And what he's been able to add through commentary, how he's been able to evolve and hang on, I think that inside of itself, that's going to to warrant this Hall of Fame induction. But, you know, he's one of those true old school guys, too, man. I mean, can you think of, is there a bigger, excuse the phrase, I mean, just cocksucker in the business or bully that, that we've heard of, you know, stories over the ages than JBL? No, he might be the biggest, like, behind the scenes villain 
of like the past 20, 25 years. I can't think of anybody else that even comes close. And that's it. A lot of that comes from where he cut his teeth. He you know, truly he came from he was like the anti taker. You know what I mean? <laughs> like he he was like the antichrist. Yeah, it, where he he has that long he has that long career. He's been able to survive. Uh, even you know, gimmick after gimmick, he was he was able to evolve, and then he transitioned into commentary, made that great career. But where you hear of like Taker, who essentially they've been around the same t- same amount of time, right? But you hear about all the respect and admiration, and, and you know the people that look to Taker as a mentor, as the authority figure. <laughs> and then <laughs> JBL look, was yeah, the exact yeah, opposite. Yeah, yeah, the Bizarro Taker. Yeah. Crazy, bizarro taker. That's fantastic. Yeah, I don't know. JBL to me, he's he's one of these guys that it's like, I get it. And and like I probably just had come to the conclusion, yeah, JBL will someday be a Hall of Famer. But to me, he's one of these, it's the Hall of Fame, not the Hall of Really Good. You know what I mean? That's kind of how I feel about JBL. Uh the Bellas. Um the, the only thing about this that I just find fucking hilarious is that the Bellas basically announced that they're going into the Hall of Fame. Like, just the way that this was presented with the whole a moment of bliss thing on SmackDown with the Bellas coming out and announcing that they're going into the Hall of Fame, it was like, that is the most Bellas shit I think I've ever seen. Like, of course, they would announce themselves that they're going into the Hall of Fame. It's like, that's so fucking Bella. Well, you're right. I mean, and that's perfect, though. But let's look at the reality of it. It's probably going to get more tractions that they did it themselves because they're more over right now than anything else WWE's got going on. And that's what I absolutely love about this. You know, people absolutely infuriated about this thing. I, I, you know, outside of ESPN Plus, assuming the, the pay-per-view rights or the marquee event rights, this is what set people off. And it's such a, it's a harsh reality that they cannot seem to swallow this, this, this tr- pill of truth. The Bellas are freaking over. Love it, hate it. It's reality. And even what hurts people more is they they just cannot seem to cope with the concept that not only are the Bellas over, they're over more than what, what I'm probably being generous here. Ninety percent of the roster. Oh, I, I think that's being very generous. Like, how many talents inside of the WWE right now can you even make a case are more over than the Bellas? Like, you have Dwayne the Rock Johnson, clearly. I mean, like, I'm even going deep to even affiliate right. him with right. WWE we're, we're just, at this we're point. We're just talking about, you know, anyone inside the universe right. now. You know? so, so you got Dwayne the Rock Johnson. You've got John Cena. You've got Brock Lesnar. You've got The Miz and the Bellas. Like, that's pretty much the list, right? Oh, Batista. I, You'd have to put him in yeah, there. Yeah, I, I, Batista, Batista and the Bellas would be pretty close. Possibly Rousey. I, I would put the Bellas over Rousey. I and you know what? I, I When we really think about it, and some people are like, oh, you're crazy, you're crazy. But no, let's look at the demographics and who they appeal to. Yeah. I think the Bellas have a wider reach in their target than what Rousey does right now. It's simply because... We don't see Rousey doing any crossover. She, she's she been at home. Dude, I'm not kidding you, right? Because everybody knows, like, I work at a TV station, right? And we have a CBS affiliate. We have a Fox affiliate. Then we have all of our subchannels. So every night, I see Entertainment Tonight. I see TMZ. I see Daily Mail. I see Extra. I see all these, like, terrible-ass TV shows, right? 
when Nikki Bella announced that she was pregnant, that was in the A block for four days. That was fucking earth shattering news, TMZ, all that kind of bullshit. They were all talking about the fact that Nikki Bella was knocked up. Like that is the open to the fucking show is that Nikki Bella has been impregnated. That's how over the Bellas are. Like outside of the wrestling bubble, everybody knows who Nikki and Brie are. It's nauseating, but it's reality. Oh, uh, you know what? And the perfect timing here. I mean, you, you just set up a couple seasons for the pregnancy, the Hall of Fame. Oh, God. That, rea- that reality show is just going to keep on rolling. Oh, it's it, that's absurd and entirely true. Um, British Bulldog. Especially, it's, what do you think for a swerve on Total Bellows is when Nikki has to make the phone call to ask John to be the godfather? Oh, my God. Shouldn't John Cena be the one to induct him? Who inducts the Bellas? John Laurinaitis? Yeah, possibly. I was trying to think, you know, maybe of of someone from that time, one of the other. Uh, I'll tell you who's not going to do it, Maria. <laughs> oh, that's great. I, I don't know who's going to do it, but I'll tell you who's not going to do it. <laughs> that's great. Uh, British Bulldog, finally, evidently on the finalist list to be announced for the WWE Hall of Fame. Rick, I think we all agree that this is long overdue. But this also brings into question, the other day I saw this uh, story come out that MLW was uh, pursuing tampering charges with the WWE, and it had come out that this was about Davey Boy Jr., that WWE had been reaching out to Davey Boy Jr. Wouldn't it be logical that he would induct his father into the Hall of Fame? Absolutely, and even within the tampering, though, MLW just might be trying to protect their investment is in that WWE isn't trying to use this as a catalyst to ultimately talk other business. Right. No, if they're simply reaching out for an appearance for the Hall of Fame ceremony to have him come out to to be a part of this to honor his, you know, the legend of his great father, that's fine. That inside itself, I don't think that there's it, you'd have to be pretty petty to be opposed to that if you're a promotion, uh, especially with someone that, that you're hoping that, you, that you've invested in and you're hoping is going to invest in you, that you really need to continue going forward. Uh, but but again, you know, those inner workings, when you get things going on there, just to make sure that those are the only conversations going on. You know, they, they're, they're not trying to sway him in the direction of, yeah, you think about the magic when your dad was here. You know, we know you didn't have such a, a great first run yourself, but times have changed here. You've evolved. Look at what somebody like what happened for Drew McIntyre. He's going to be headlined in WrestleMania. That could be you next year. Yeah, That's, those are all valid points, man. I, I don't understand why he has wasn't back there like five years ago. I mean, it just ever there. I've never thought that he was not going to go back at some point. Well, you think about like the comparison, you know, which is Drew McIntyre. Was he really ready five years ago? Think about how much he has grown just in the last five years. Absolutely. But overall, especially especially since leaving WWE. You know what you know, that how should much be his grown. You know, because our, our boy Lance Archer, he keeps teasing on Twitter that he doesn't know which promotion he's going to go to next. WWE should just bring in Killer Elite Squad. I'd, oh, love yeah. see, I'd love to see Killer Elite Squad, like in an NXT context. Fuck yeah, give me that shit. Give me Killer Elite Squad versus Undisputed, Undisputed Era. 
Love to see that. Man, I, with, with, the, with those guys and their look, I mean, they, they just need so much stuff all around. And, and, and oddly enough, one of the places they really don't need anything is NXT right now. I mean, you're starting to see everything yeah. get crowded down there a little bit. Dude, could you imagine Lance Archer and NXT? He would be like three feet taller than everybody else on the roster. I mean, I, I'm just envisioning them, man, just like just showing up and and just trashing the Viking Warriors and or whatever the hell they are. What are they? The Viking Raiders? Yeah. The the Viking Raiders and, and AOP. Yeah. Killer Elite Squad just come out and just destroy annihilate them. all of them. Just destroy them. The other name being reported for the Hall of Fame. Rick, I've, I've, I've kind of pivoted on this. I didn't like it when I first heard it, but Jushin Thunder Liger. Um, I was very opposed to this when I first heard it because Liger and the WWE just do not have anything to do with each other outside of that takeover match that was the greatest match in the history of professional wrestling against Tyler Breeze. I, I was just going to tell you, you know, if let's at least be, let's be true to one thing in here. They have to hold true to who inducts him has to be a tie in with WWE. So it had to be Tyler. It's got to be Tyler. Um, but the other thing that then occurred to me is the WWE now owns everything that happened inside of WCW and Jushin Thunder Liger was vital in kicking off that cruiserweight division and popularizing it in the United States. So I, yeah, I can see why Liger's getting put in. Well, and, and I wanted to, you know, throw this at you here and there were, you know, a lot of people that are purist and it, this really seems to be one of those over the edge sort of inductees because you see this a lot of times uh you know just last night uh working with ricky morton a lot of people all the rock and roll never even stepped in the ring you know the wwe hall of fame and now what they've owned in their library and what they represent in wrestling i mean how many times as we do this as wrestling fans you say oh i I like professional wrestling oh you mean that wwe stuff i mean it's just associated with it when you say pro wrestling it's wwe so you're really stepping outside of the bubble People make that association, and maybe that new fans are going to come in. This isn't about you know WWE trying to leech off the success of other promotions or individuals. Let's flip the coin here. But this is a way that now that Liger, his legend, will live on through more generations on a bigger platform, a brighter spotlight. People are going to be able to go to the network and see, all, like you, as you said, Jarko, everything that he did inside of you know wcw and what he really meant and and it's going to talk to the impact of what a true international superstar he was now when we start talking about it's it's a very short list of the japanese wrestlers that had the overwhelming influence like a liger i mean really who do you have there you got uh, that's it yes you got noki well uh muda I I I would put Muda in that next classification. I would put Muda behind Anoki and Liger clearly. Like yeah, Muda would be the top of tier two and Anoki and Liger would be tier one. I'd say I'm not necessarily ranking them, but if I had to like go with my, you know, top three, five or whatever, that's those. You know, it's those individuals. And and especially now when we look at how important that style of wrestling is, where it's more accepted across the board. You go watch Liger, even up to the retirement, his matches, you know, one of the things that 
that you hear that is the knock on it. it, I'm guilty of this. It's one of my gripes about it is everything. It's so routine. It's, it's choreographed. It's a dance partner. Even back then, you know, with Liger, they were pulling off those crazy moves, things that we had never seen, but it seemed like they were calling it on the fly. Like, okay, I, I am this athletic. I'm going to just throw out whatever I can. Right. Yeah. And it, and it, and it was so smooth but you felt like it was a real fight. I agree with you. I think Tyler Breeze should clearly be the one to induct Jushin Thunder Liger. Um, but I assume it will end up being Rey Mysterio. Yeah, I, I would absolutely go with that. Uh, now, in the terms of, okay, as fans of Liger, we should be excited that the legacy is going to be given this platform that future generations, other people are going to really begin to understand and how important he was and have that appreciation for him. It is business. WWE does have ulterior motives. How much does this play in now that this announcement with the performance center potentially going to Japan? Well, I was just about to ask you, would you trust Shinsuke Nakamura to do it? Because I don't know if anybody on the WWE roster has shared a locker room with Liger more than Shinsuke Nakamura. But would you trust Shinsuke Nakamura with a live microphone to stand up there and give a speech? I don't see why not. Interesting. Well, uh, I, I would, uh, what, what, what kind of reservations would you have against it? Um. Well, I have a couple of reservations. Number one, I don't feel like Nakamura's English is all that great. I feel like Vince would be sitting back there and cringing every second that this speech went on. Um, but I, I, I feel like if Nakamura went up there and delivered part of the speech in Japanese, it would be appealing to that audience that you're just talking about, because we are hearing per David Meltzer that the WWE is going to be opening a performance center in Japan. The full announcement is expected in July. Um, I could see them like if they want to just strictly cater to that Japanese fan base, then I would almost think that Nakamura is the one that inducts Liger, even though I think it should probably be Rey Mysterio. Well, couldn't you have, uh, let's do a two part. Let, let's, let's hit all of these demographics here. Let's have Ray go out there and really deliver the, the meat and potatoes. He, he, he goes out there and he's the one that's given the, Let's say we give him eight minutes. Well, because I think it's understated how big of a star Liger was in, in Mexico, too. Correct. And, and he could talk about that. And, and, you know, and then Ray, you know, can talk about how the influence from Mexico to open the door to go to WCW and for their cruiserweight and the honor of, you know, you can tie in the, the you know, the mask and all that. There's so many tie ins you can go with Ray and you can mention and you get people thinking about. Oh, all this WCW stuff. Hell, I can go watch this, right? You know, and without without blatantly coming out here and saying, "Hey, you know, with the show," but you you lay those subtle tones. So, and then let's say, all right, Ray has eight minutes to do this, and then you bring out Nakamura for two minutes and subtitle it, yeah. and then bring out Liger. Yeah, because I could I could really see them trying to cater to that Japanese fan base with this whole thing. And I mean, I can't help but feel like, you know, the timing is kind of subsequent that you induct Liger into the hall of fame. And then we're going to announce NXT Japan. Um, Rick, we have talked quite a bit about 
how difficult of a time the WWE is going to have breaking into Japan, I wanted to kind of lay this out for the listeners. Um, I went and I looked. Number one, I started just listing all of the promotions I could think of in like their order of importance in Japan, right? And so you've got New Japan Pro Wrestling, Pro Wrestling Noah, Dragon Gate, All Japan, Big Japan, and DDT. So then I did a search online for Japanese wrestling promotions. There are 21 other independent federations inside of Japan that are fully functional. And that's before you even get to the Joshi. There are nine active Joshi promotions in Japan right now. And then there's Stardom, which is now owned by Bushi Road and getting a huge push inside of the media as being kind of presented on par with New Japan Pro Wrestling. This is, we talk about the American scene and the British scene being very, very crowded and very, very congested. It's nothing like the wrestling scene in Japan, a country that is based very, very much amongst honor and tradition. I think this is an awful idea for the WWE unless they plan on moving Shinsuke Nakamura back to Japan, unless they plan on moving Finn Balor back to Japan, Asuka, Kyrie, EO, like all this Japanese talent that we see on our television. If they put all of them together and start building a roster around that, then maybe, but even that is going to be an uphill battle for the WWE in Japan. Even, even outside of, you know, bringing back all those familiar faces and the, those crowd favorites there, it, you're still, you're still an outside entity. Yeah. You're still this American company coming to their ground where they, they take a great deal of pride in that in respecting their values and their traditions. You're still going to, you're that gaijin company coming in, which is going to be something very, very new company wise, promotion wise for them. This is going to be, it's, it's going to be a great gamble for WWE. Especially as you've laid out so many times, Jargo, if, if you want to go to that region, there's other viable options where you could see tremendous success without, I don't want to say attacking, but going right into the belly of the beast. This is going to be a, a tremendous gamble, but it, is seem, it seems this really screams of one of those things. And this is, I guess, very symbolic of Vince McMahon himself. When you continually say, no, 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 you're not going to do this. And they've, now they've been turned away quite a few times. Where they, you know, you think you have a deal with Noah. That goes through. Uh, was it stardom that they tried? Yep. And, and then they get purchased somebody else. They're very protective there. So when you begin to build those barriers for someone like Vince McMahon, he becomes more bullheaded. And he is more and more determined to run through those. Have we seen this? The, the ultimate failure that was the original XFL. And how long did that fester with inside of him? Yeah. You know, a decade plus, a decade, whatever. And now here we go again, round two. You know, he, in this case, it seems like he got his ducks in a row. You know, they've, they've, seen, they've shown early success, still very early to tell what the shelf life will be for the XFL this time around. But this is very symbolic of what we've regularly seen from WWE. It's very stubborn. And they are, I, I think they're taking a great gamble. But, you know, right now, this is, we're very in the early stages of this. We're, we're just getting a little bit of word that this potentially could be happening. Uh, it just seems like there's so much more out there. 
that, that needs to be presented to us before we can really start talking about it. The name I'm watching is Dragon Gate. And the reason that I'm watching Dragon Gate so close is when we heard that WWE officials were in Japan on the last tour um, and they had met with Dragon Gate officials and stardom officials. That was when Pac quit Dragon Gate and Pac came over to All Elite Wrestling. And as far as I know, Pac has not returned to Dragon Gate since then, which really makes me wonder if WWE and Dragon Gate have some kind of a deal kind of under the radar that they're just waiting to get all their ducks in a row because they're going back to Japan in July. That's why they're anticipating the full announcement in July. Okay, so we've got some time there. But even, you know, back then, you know, Pac might have caught some rumblings, knew that there were meetings or discussions happening, and he kind of saw the writing on the wall. was like, I'm getting the hell out of here while the getting is good. Yep, fuck you people. Uh, I've, I've done this. You don't want to do this. Right. Yeah, so there, I mean, absolutely. And, and you got to believe, you know, with this move with Liger, and, and true, I mean, you're, you're, you're playing right off of his retirement. And how emotional and how much attention that brought to Wrestle Kingdom. And, and now you're kind of double dipping that with the WrestleMania weekend. Uh, so inside of that, yes, that's going to help out. But, you know, what kind of deal did they strike with Liger? You know, what sort of talent are they willing to send over there to invest in what's happening in Japan? And I think what's as we see this thing develop, I think what's going to be fun to watch and it's going to make for great conversation is to look at the parallels between of how they developed the UK and how they proceed into Japan. You know, right now, you know, when they went into the UK, let's go back and think about how they kind of laid that groundwork. They went in there and sold a bunch of bullshit to these promotions. Oh, we're coming in to work with you. We want to protect you. We're here to support you. Sign on the dotted line. You know, but in there, there was a lot of those underwritings there that, you know, uh, yeah, we can take you over at any time. And now we're seeing, you're seeing a little bit of that backlash, that resentment. You know, our boy Atras over there, he's regularly talking to you about it. That They're starting to kill that, that indie scene over there that was so hot that, you know, had people really talking about the buzz of UK wrestling. Well, WWE's starting to put their foot down on the jugular. You know, they're starting to, to cut off that, that airflow. Yeah, it's going to be a very, very interesting story to watch going forward. Uh, let's talk about Blood Money. We haven't really talked very much about Blood Money, and Rick, here we are less than a week away. It's going down next Thursday. Kind of run through the card here for you. New Day versus Eminem for the SmackDown Tag Team titles. Bailey versus Naomi for the SmackDown Women's Championship after Naomi took care of Carmella last night on SmackDown. Roman Reigns versus King Fuckface in a steel cage. Seth Rollins and no longer my buddy Murphy taking on the Street Profits for the Raw Tag Team Championships. AJ Styles versus Andrade versus Lashley versus Rowan versus Truth versus Rusev in a gauntlet match for the Tuwike Trophy. Um, I'm pretty sure that's how they're going to end up getting to AJ Styles versus The Undertaker. Brock Lesnar versus Ricochet for the WWE Championship. Ricochet, that poor bastard, he's got to suffer through like a 15-hour flight to Saudi Arabia to know that he's just going to go and get fed to Brock. Lesnar in like 20 seconds and then we have the fiend versus Goldberg for the universal championship Rick this reads like it's a loaded show and I just I don't feel like anybody cares like nobody's talking about this show well you know a, a lot inside of this thing it, it feels so forced 
Uh, I think, you know, this is going to be the first cage match over there. So it's going to be big for that audience. The first cage match that WWE's presented under this banner. I'm sure that at some point during their tours and their history before this really became a big deal with these super shows over there, they've had something like that. But uh, so that will be fun for that audience. Yeah, you know, outside of this, but the, in the match itself, you know, for us that are living this every week, week to week, is is there any intrigue, no matter what the stipulation is, for another Roman Reigns Baron Corbin match? I think we've all been done with this thing since the before the the calendar flipped. Yeah. Uh, the a the gauntlet match, you know, another thing they they love their trophies over there, don't they? Oh, they yeah. love giving out them trophies. But this goes back to what we were talking about inside the chamber. You know, they're damned if you do, damned if you don't. There really isn't a whole lot of interest. We just want to see Baszler win that thing. So we get moving on with the story we all want to see. So over there, is there anyone inside? If AJ doesn't win this thing, it's a disappointment. Yeah, agreed. And in winning it, there's no real excitement because it's the right move. It's what should happen. This is what they should be doing. Yeah, I mean, look at the rest of the talent. Andrade, Lashley, Rowan, R-Truth, and Rusev. Like, clearly, AJ Styles is winning this trophy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, you had a little bit of heat there. Andrade's in the right path, but this isn't involved in that program he's with. You know, I, I like what he's got going on before the suspension. I'm interested to see how they, they pick that back up when he comes back. The Lucha House Party for the U.S. title. Yeah, I mean, but there's some intrigue there. I mean, they, they've got – there's heat between all those individuals. Right. They're building that thing. Uh, who else we got in here? Elias? Uh, no, no Elias. Uh, the, the two big ones are, are Lesnar and Ricochet and then The Fiend and Goldberg. No, no, no. no. I was talking about inside that gauntlet match. Oh, no. So. It's it's Styles, Andrade, Lashley, okay. Rowan, R-Truth, Rowan. and okay. Rusev. Okay, R-Truth. Uh, great. We're going to get a little comedy spot. Rowan, absolutely. I, I'm glad that they have something for him. It's a great lower mid-card enhancement act that's great there's at least something of interest when he comes out he's just not the guy in the flannel anymore uh that's fine that there's no interest inside of this match and it's clearly set up that you get a spot between rusev and lashley you're gonna have something in there where those two will whoever goes over but the the the, uh, whoever wins or eliminates the other one will probably get eliminated next yep because that they've taken so much out of each other. Or a double DQ, uh, outside, double you know, count out, of this, whatever. The, the Lashley thing, if they would have like, like kept him hot while Rusev was off air for those couple of weeks. But no, I mean, he's out there jobbing the ricochet. So that ricochet can look like he can go over a big guy, which completely just pulled the rug out from under Lashley. And I, I've, I've come to the understanding that pretty much if you would put a Bulgarian board in Rusev's hands, he is the modern day Axel Jim Dugan. Yeah, he's involved with a hoe. All right. You betcha. But I mean, that's where he's at. I mean, not to say like the same character, but like they're on that level. Yeah. You know, it's, it's that same vibe. So if AJ doesn't win that there, there's, I mean, who cares? You're damned if you do damned if you don't. The Lesnar, maybe Ricochet gets a little time in that match because at one point, I remember interviews where Heyman was very high on Ricochet, saying if he had I'm the thinking, book. I'm thinking this is going to be right up there with Kofi. Like, Kofi lasted eight seconds. I don't know if I've got the over or the under on Ricochet. I might be leaning towards the under. I, I don't know. If In my mind, it's, I, I would if I was a betting man, I'd agree with you. But I remember Heyman talking about, you know, how he would have loved to, you know, 
if he was in charge, if it was back with the SmackDown Six or ECW, I mean, Ricochet would have been a star for him. I could see them coming out with Ricochet just really going overboard with the superhero look. And I don't think this thing goes over seven minutes, but I could see him getting at least a little offense in. Wow. I, I think it, I think it certainly goes under a minute. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll see you there. And then who, Naomi beat Carmella. I didn't check out any SmackDown when I got home last night. I, I went over to Facebook, the Hyman Media Discussion Group. I saw the thread. I threw it up there. I said, guys, I just got home. Long day. Is it worth checking out? And it was an... It was an overwhelming no, <laughs> so I didn't even I didn't even go watch the clips this morning. I saw our boy uh, uh, Redneck was talking to me on Twitter last night, and they had something to do with like a full like there was like a band at ringside and like Strowman trying to put somebody through a baby grand piano and how they were more stiff than Japanese tables and this is the reason to watch SmackDown and I was like yeah I'm happy I'm watching Luka Doncic and the fucking Mavs versus the Magic right now and stuff. Oh he he was actually trying to convince you that that was worth watching? Yeah. I I, I think it had to be in jest. I, I was going to say those him and Big Ray man he got we got to give him some credit here. Credit where credit's due. If they have the responsibility each week to cover SmackDown. I mean, no, no wonder that their show has now evolved into like seven other segments about non-wrestling stuff. I mean, just, just to keep people interested. Well, and I also saw that they're going to be starting a new podcast together that's going to be on the Voices of Misery podcast network. And I can't think of two more miserable voices to add to the Voices of Misery podcast network than Big Ray and the Redneck. So, you know, there's that. Yeah, I mean, are they like of the philosophy over there, like the mindset of WWE, where you just keep adding content no matter if it's good or not? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, Let's talk about John Cena. Yeah, that's the contingency plan for SmackDown on Friday. That's right. We've got a whole bunch of SmackDown talent that's going over to Saudi Arabia on Thursday. And in case we can't get them back in the country, at least we've got John Cena with a microphone live on SmackDown Friday night. That's the contingency plan. Rick, I thought that was fucking hilarious. Absolutely. Uh, but I... Overall, I'm actually looking forward to, I don't know if it's enough to make me go out of my way to actually watch SmackDown, uh, but certainly I'll, I'll be helping out those those all-important social media numbers because yeah. I'll be checking that out because uh, I am I am intrigued to see what they're going to do with Cena. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, with the rumor and everything surrounding him coming back for WrestleMania. And at this point, I think as we're talking about expectations, I think anything less than him actually coming out and confirming will be a huge disappointment for WWE. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, like don't, I said, don't I feel tip like me, don't tiptoe around it. Don't dance around it trying to sell me elimination chamber. I need to know that he's going to be at WrestleMania. Yeah, no, agreed. Um, I will not be watching SmackDown because I never watched SmackDown. But I will be watching Ring of Honor. Bound by Honor is going to be happening on Friday night. Uh, Rick... Ring of Honor very much in flux at this point. We're kind of trying to see what Marty's vision is for the layout of Ring of Honor in 2020. Here is the card. Dragon Lee versus PCO for the ROH World Heavyweight Championship on the line. Um, I'm, I'm kind of interested in this matchup because these two guys are 
I, I don't know how this thing works out. I mean, I, I feel like PCO is going to end up murdering Dragon Lee, but how we get there is going to be very, very intriguing to me. Yeah, I, I'm going to like the, well, you know, it's about the journey yeah, not the destination, but Dragon Lee, you talk about someone that can work pretty well with, with the bigger style and, and the powerhouses and is, is a, a powerhouse in his own right. Yeah. Uh, very impressive what we've seen. And if any indication, I mean, if they can work to damn near half as well as that he works with somebody like a, a Shane Taylor, th- this could be a pretty fun match. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. Then, of course, uh, TV champion versus ROH world champion. So I'm looking forward to that. As far as I know, only the ROH world title on the line. Uh, Jeff Cobb and Dan Moff take on the Briscoes. Rick, Jeff Cobb is basically everywhere at this point. Hell, we saw him on AEW this past week uh, where they're presenting Jeff Cobb very much like a killer. And here he is having a party with Dan Moff going against the Briscoes. I'm looking forward as hell to this match because I don't know where things stand with Jeff Cobb at this point. As far as I know, he is still a free agent. He hasn't signed with anybody. Yeah, everything from all reports, rumors, indications, he's out there, you know, just feeling it out. He's out there on the dating scene, a little speed dating. He's kind of doing the Kota Ibushi thing where he's not really signing with anyone. He wants to work with everyone. A little bit of a wrestle whore. Yeah, the only problem is, and and the, the issue with Ibushi when he was doing that is he never got over. Like they would push him so far and then he would have to lose because they don't want to give, you know, somebody who's not necessarily signed to the company that spotlight, you know? So it, it just, it feels almost counterproductive. Well, I think, you know, it's you, you keep your different flavors of, alive as a talent so you, you're not becoming stagnant with something or, or bored. But ultimately, as you're saying, he's going to have to make a, a choice. Now, when you're talking about getting over, yeah, inside of the book getting over because you're only going to be pushed so far because you're not technically one of theirs. You know, they don't want to overinvest in something that could just be gone in the blink of an eye. But getting over with the fans is a little bit of a turnoff to me as well. And you see this you know, working with the different indies that I work with, especially if they're so close and they're running towns that for that share so many fans and how they're presented. As you're talking about the, the killer cob that we're getting in AEW, and now we're seeing more of a, a you know, the, the true personality it is Jeff Cobb, because, I mean, this guy, he just cuts it up. If you spend any time around him at all, man, he's cutting jokes, he's laughing, he's doing his different voices, shit like that. We're starting to see a little more of that in Ring of Honor, there is a crossover between those fans, especially on that level from Ring of Honor and AEW. So you start to blur and mix and match those lines, and it, it becomes a turnoff of sorts for yeah. some individuals. Nope, I agree. Uh, triple Threat, Bandito versus Marty Skrull versus Slex. Right? Like, can't, can't we just have Bandito versus Marty? Like, can, I was going to say, man, is Slex growing on you at all yet? No. I, I know that, that outing, man, that, that first outing. Just turn me off. Picking it up. Uh, I think this is one of those, they're just trying to work flex in, or Slex in, and, and hopefully it, he'll have a better reception and start to grow on individuals, you know, getting out there to work with Marty and Bandito. Yeah, like they're clearly trying to make him a big deal by the talent that they're pairing him up against, but... 
Yeah, just a swing and a miss for me at this point. La Faction in Gabernable, the team of Roosh and Kenny King, take on Villain Enterprises, the team of Brody and Flip. Rick, um, I'm not liking Kenny King in this La Faction in Gabernable. Like, nothing has changed about Kenny King. Like, I feel like if Kenny King is going to be hanging out with Dragon Lee and Roosh, I want to see Kenny King turn into Sonata. Like, I want to see him turn into, like, this, this stone-faced killer with absolutely no emotion who's not going out and trying to have a party on his way to the ring. Like, I, I feel like this is completely against the gimmick at this point. Yeah, and I think with it, it, it really seemed like it came out of nowhere and a bit forced, but I could see their logic behind it. You know, they, they want him to be the good timing, you know, to try to get that crowd really rallied behind him. But whatever there is, there's just a disconnect. It just doesn't seem to be... The puzzle pieces don't fit together. They're forcing it. That's what I'm saying. Just change it up. Just completely change it up. Like, I want to see it. Like, unless Kenny King is wrestling, I want to see him in a very, very nice suit with, like, sunglasses on and go, like, Sonata style. Just go cold skull and just quit showing all sake of emotion. And really, with King, it's about time. He needs a a change in direction. He needs some sort of different persona. Yeah, because what he's doing, it, it hasn't worked for at least three years, you know? Well, you know, in many cases, and I think you would tend to agree with me, if we've always had a little trouble connecting with him. It's never really worked. Yeah. You know, even going back to Impact, the king of the night. Yeah. I mean, it, they had they had great video packages. It seemed like the, the right direction, but there was just something that just didn't feel right about it. Yeah, the, the my favorite Kenny King is All Night Express Kenny King. Him and Rhett Absolutely. Titus. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Ray Horace versus Alex Shelley. Looking forward to that matchup, even though I'm still confused what in the hell is going on with Alex Shelley. Like, they seriously just brought him in for a one-off in NXT? Really? Well, and also, too, he was down there with that guest training spot. Yeah, it just feels weird. Very, very odd. Uh, PJ Black and Brian Johnson versus Bateman and Vincent versus Lifeblood versus Dalton Castle and Joe Hendry. That'll be a, a four corners tag team match. That'll be a complete clusterfuck. Nicole Savoy and Angelina Love. That, that could actually be a halfway decent match. And then for the ROH World Tag Team Championships, two guys, one tag. Our boy McLovin and Silas Young taking on Lethal Suction for the ROH Tag Team Championships. That should be a really, really fun match. Absolutely. Looking looking forward to that one. So let's talk about AEW and NXT as we kind of wrap things up this week. Uh, because, Rick, I think we, we actually saw the perfect segment of pro wrestling television this week on Wednesday night. Which, which segment do you think it was? I think there was a perfect segment. Between one of those two shows, I'm I'm trying to go back here. What? I know I watched the show. (laughs) Well, thankfully, it's only the second point. It was on AEW, but first we got to talk about the Young Bucks versus Omega Hangover. This match now set up for Revolution as Matt Jackson wins the tag team battle royal, and then Kenny and Hangman take care of the Lucha Bros in what might be my favorite AEW match that I've seen thus far, even though I'm sick and tired of the fucking Lucha Bros losing all the time. Reg- Phoenix and Pentagon are too good of damn talents to have them just doing nothing but losing all the time. And now we're going to see the Young Bucks versus Omega Hangover, and I don't know what's next for the Lucha Bros. Can we put them in singles matches, please? For the love of fucking God? And I think with the biggest issue, where we talk about 
and all the excitement and hype going into, you know, AEW and the launch of Dynamite was the emphasis that was going to be placed on the tag division. And they, and they do have some tremendous tag team talent, but the depth is seriously lacking. Or the, the willingness to, to really start spreading around. And I don't think that they should overly spread it, but there's a lot of teams in there that they could have the Lucha Brothers just going over right now. We don't need them really into a story. Uh, they're more about the, the moveset and the act more than anything else. So you know, let's roll some other teams out there and don't worry about that they're, get, that they're beating up on these, the teams that you're using for dark, that you need a pecking order. The Lucha Brothers are your stars. They need to be getting some wins instead of, you know, this regular routine of blah, blah, blah against the Bucks and against SCU and against the Omega Hangover, whatever it might be. Let's let's run them through some other things. Uh, with the, the Battle Royal, and I, I think AEW, outside of my they – might, they might enjoy that gimmick more than I do. <laughs> do you realize since, since they started running shows, this is like their sixth Battle Royal? Yeah. And they love Battle Royals. But one thing I did like in this, and you know, hey, last night at Battle on the Border, Night of Champions, hey, we had our, uh, it was the golden ticket gauntlet Battle Royal, which meant rumble rules. And it, it was one hell of a, I think there was 20 entrants, and there was no one eliminated till like the 14th entrant. Jesus. Oh, man, it, it was bad. And then big Paxton Callaway, the seven-foot, legit seven-footer, close to 400-pounder, he came in and just started chucking motherfuckers but oh my god uh, but it, it was it was a fun match it, while i'm here uh, a shout out to a, a good friend of mine so i immediately took to when i when i started working the shows and all that we talk regularly and he's been in a couple years and works his ass off the prophet of pain scotty scotty amos uh going over big last night and getting a huge win inside of that earned himself the golden ticket which gets him a match of his choosing anytime anywhere but just cool to see somebody that that you know, this it works so damn hard at it. That's so passionate, and that, that you've grown close to as a friend to see them, you know, get success. It was one of those moments, like right when it happened. You know, I, I immediately shot to my feet. I mean, it was it was a tremendous moment, and you're just happy you could be a part of it there to, to experience for him. But but back to AEW, I, I did like how they did this though. Where I hate when they do the tag battle rolls, and it's when one partner gets eliminated, they're both eliminated. I, I like that double that double chance. I like that they teased dissension between Kenny and Hangman, and there was even like an accidental clothesline from Hangman to Kenny, and they still won the match and didn't break up. People are waiting on it. They're waiting for it. You know, when's it going to happen? But I think they realize let's let's ride this thing out. It's not the right time yet. Well, does it happen at Revolution? I mean, I guess really that's got to be the question because now that we have the Young Bucks versus Omega Hangover, we're going to have the four of them in the ring competing for the AEW Tag Team Championships. Do the Young Bucks finally win the AEW Tag Team Championships? And that's what causes Omega Hangover to finally split and go their own ways. Yeah, I... I guess it could be uh, the right time there because you want that big stage. You want that platform. Right. And, you know, outside of that, when's the next one? Not till Double late May, right? When, right? Yeah, when we go back to Vegas. Yeah, I, I could see it happening there. Okay, so the, the obvious thing that's going to happen here is that they're going to try to turn Hangman Page heel, and it's not going to work in any way, shape, or form. Um, Rick, it is clear to me that when we split these two, 
it's got to be Kenny turning on Hangman Page and the Young Bucks to branch off and go singles on the heel side of the roster. Your double or nothing match is Hangman Page versus Kenny Omega. I'm with you 100%. And you, Jargo, you're the individual that was pitching from the very get-go. Uh, if it was that Kenny would be, you know, emerge as the leader of the Dark Order or whatever it might be. Kenny and I don't is the exalted one, I'm telling you. I, I, I don't know if that's the right move, but I absolutely agree with you 100% that it needs to be Kenny that goes heel. Yeah. And not Kenny. so and not so much that it would backfire with, with Hangman, because it absolutely would. Uh, people, are, they're loving that act. People love, you know, giving him the beer. And the cowboy shit kinda, got over. The cowboy shit got over. As, as I've been telling you, man, who doesn't? Everybody loves the good time and drunk. And he hasn't been doing anything all that bad. He gets a little a little rambunctious when he's had a couple. You know, he'll pick a fight with a friend or whatever. But who doesn't? You know, and that's what brothers do. And then you, you get up the next day and you hug it out. And you go get a little hair of the dog, get another beer. You're ready to rock and roll. I think it's it's more important for Kenny Omega. He has been an absolute disappointment since the beginning of AEW, and especially since the launch of Dynamite. And he's been taking so much heat, if it's you know just from his own work to even the handling of the women's division. I think he absolutely needs this. We need to get back to a, a cleaner mentality. He's, he is here for himself. He's going to take everybody out. And we and we really got to establish something with him. And you need to treat him like a star. Uh, Cornet's all over this thing, and you got to tend to agree with him a little bit. That star power might have been a little overhyped at the launch of of AEW. Most certainly, it, it was very bright within those fans there. But we need to e- expand beyond that. We need grander horizons. I think that it, it is there is potential. Kenny can be that person, but you need to allow him to grow and and support him, you know, with the strengths that he can run with. And that is in that cleaner mentality. Yep. No, I agree. I feel like I could do an hour about what's wrong with Kenny Omega. Uh, But I would rather talk about the perfect segment. John Moxley defeats Jeff Cobb. Match goes about 13 minutes. Pretty good match. Right guy goes over. He's the number one contender getting ready to go after the leader of the inner circle. Jeff Cobb's not out there to necessarily win the match. He's out there to hurt Moxley. We've got Jericho and Sammy up in the in the rafters. We got Hagar lurking around. Of course, after the match, the entire inner circle jumps John Moxley. Dustin Rhodes comes out for the save. And then we get the lights out and the return of Darby Allen. Rick, in a span of about 15 minutes, they hyped Chris Jericho versus John Moxley for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. They hyped the grudge match of Jake Hagar breaking Dustin Rhodes' arm and Dustin coming back for revenge. And if you want to see it, it's going to happen at Revolution. Oh, yeah. And we hit the return of Darby Allen, who still can't talk. So he uses Sammy Guevara's own gimmick against him to cut a promo. And as he's cutting that promo without saying a word, just the way that he and the pace that he is throwing down those cue cards with the anger that he is starting to throw down those cue cards until he finally gets to Sammy Guevara's own catchphrase. Yeah, Sammy, I'm going to hit you up. 
Rick, this was the perfect segment. In about 15 minutes, they hyped three matches, and if you want to see any of them, you've got to tune into the pay-per-view. February 29th, live on pay-per-view. It's Revolution from Chicago. This was the perfect segment. He absolutely enjoyed this thing, and, and love how Moxley stole it, too. Fuck yeah. You know, it, he, he's just holding on. And, and I think it was, you know, it's very telling, symbolic, that no matter when you think you've got him down, you can send this killer after him. He still has that in him to get you. you know, he gets him on a roll up off of that top top rope. Uh, was that a Samoan drop off top? Or I'm trying to think back to what what the move was. Yeah, uh, but was. anyway, he, he okay. He gets him rolled up off the damn thing, and it's just shocks cop. He couldn't believe this. He just laid the beating of a lifetime down on this sob, and he still gets gotten. As you said, you know, Cobb wasn't there necessarily to win this thing. He is there as a hitman. He's there to inflict as much damage as humanly possible. And then you get the vultures. You have the vultures coming in. And at that point, you know, I'm, I begin thinking to myself, okay, we were waiting for this to happen. It's getting a little repetitive, these beatdowns. But then the saving grace. They're doing this business, especially when you see Dustin come in. And I think they have done, you know, they're getting so much praise right now between the build with Moxley and Jericho has been great. Everything with MJF and Cody has been over the top. It's absolutely tremendous. But when you look at this undercard, things you want to be invested in that are going to make you want to tune in again, Dustin Rhodes and everything, the way they have built him up and the energy behind him eventually doing good business is to have Hager beat him, but it's going to mean something. You're going to feel it. And it's going to elevate Hager to really start, you know, participating more inside the ring instead of just being the quiet goon. And, you know, I think it's going to go miles in beginning to erase those memories of Jack Swagger. You know, it's going to start to define, define Hager. And, and they've done a great job. And that's absolutely what you want on your undercard. So you, you've got that there. And then when Darby comes in, even inside of the AEW fan base, this son of a bitch is, I mean, he's over even inside there, but he has the potential. He can de- defy size. This guy can be a star. He's got it. That pop he's got that was it factor. ridiculous. And even with, for that for that fan base, you know, that plays along. I mean, he, they absolutely love him. He has the potential to grow outside of that. It, he works beyond the size of everybody else there. He stands out as a star. Yep. And the skateboard thing works. Like, we all know that kid. We, we've all seen that kid in the neighborhood who rides around on a skateboard and he's probably got, you know, fractures in both of his arms, but he never went to the hospital to get them fixed because it costs too much money and he doesn't have health insurance. But, you know, so he kind of he put it together a little cast and it's all made up, of, you know, popsicle sticks and shit. And then he just wrapped it with some toilet paper. And now he's back out there on his skateboard. That fucking crazy kid. That's Darby Allen. And we all know him. And even behind that, I mean, you can. Even if you don't know the backstory, which I mean, we do uh, for the character, uh, the the symbol symbolism, but behind the the face paint of he's already half dead. I mean, if, he he projects that, and it's if become you know a thing story, on Instagram. If you know the story, it, it it's even better. But you can feel it. You can feel it without even knowing it. It's become a thing on Instagram now. People are painting up their faces like Darby Allen and hashtagging it Darby Allen and posting the pictures on Instagram. It's become a thing. It's ridiculous. 
but it works. It works. I can't wait to see that match between him and Simi Guevara. That that has the potential to steal the whole freaking show. I'm looking forward to that. Do you think does, does Sammy need that win? I don't think so. I don't think so. Is, I, is he? It, I, and I, I I agree with you. He's okay to keep losing. I think. I think he's fine to keep losing. In fact, I want to see Darby do something really really bad to him. <laughs> something very very bad. Cody defeats Wardlow in a steel cage. First AEW steel cage match. Huckleberry, what'd you think of it? I I enjoyed this thing. And it was more of, you know, not to get into the technical aspect of it, this entire story. I, I thought this was a, a just another tremendous move in everything that we've had back and forth between these two sides of everything building up to revolution with MJF and Cody. It, it's been absolutely, it, it's been incredible. Very, very little. And you'd have to nitpick to start pulling at some things here. Yeah, I think it's been, I think it's good. I think it's been really good. Revolution shaping up to look like a very, very good show. Looking forward to it, even though I'm not looking forward to that $49.99 price point. I think that's bullshit. Uh, let's talk about NXT. Jordan Devlin defeats Leo Rush to retain the Cruiserweight Championship. Rick, this is the second time since Devlin has won the Cruiserweight Championship that they've gave him like a long feature match. And it just doesn't feel like it's clicking to me. Yeah, I, you know, for the most part, I enjoyed the match. It, it, I, I, that might be surprising to you. I know this style, but it, I, I did. And I actually, I like Devlin Cody, but I, I got to agree with you 100%. It just doesn't seem that, you know, whatever he's pitching, it, it's not working across the drink. Yeah, it's just not working. Something's not connecting right with that NXT universe. And they put over every goddamn thing, including the nah, NXT. Man, well, starting to, when we were talking about audiences, and it, it's really, it's really seeming to become an issue with me over these last, I don't know, probably since Worlds Collide, maybe a little before, but the, the NXT audience, oh especially there at Full Sail, it, it might be one of the most pathetic things inside of professional wrestling right now. Yeah, it, it's really a turnoff. Um, they even put over the idea that in two weeks, we're going to see a steel cage match between Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai. Why? Why are we doing this? Like, I, I feel like that was a pretty definitive conclusion at the end of takeover. I felt like it was the worst match at takeover. And now we're going to do it in inside of a steel cage. What? Why? And I love, uh, you know, again, where they go to these steel cage matches to eliminate outside interference. Are, are we at a, a, a state where we were actually supposed to buy into this? I, I, <laughs> that there could never be any kind of interference inside of the steel cage. I mean, it, at this point, you need to just start selling it as it is a weapon inside of itself. It, it makes it very difficult to run. There's very few places to hide. And it tries to, and it's, it, it's going to buy you some time for any kind of outside shenanigans that might occur, but it's one of those gimmicks where, you know, just that they're trying to hide behind the idea that this is where it's going to get done. You know, unless let's let's eliminate doors and put a roof on every cage and you just lower it down when the competitors are in there. I mean, what else are we going to buy into this? But the, the ladies themselves and he talked about and I, going into takeover, I was very excited for that match. I love the build. I, I love the heat between those two. It's got a great backstory. 
I really feel that if they just would have went out there and had a match, it would have been much better. It was the gimmick mm-hmm. that kind of hurt them. And it, it's it's when you get into something like that, when you're asking 130-pound individuals to go try to pull that stuff off. It just doesn't work. Yep. Nope, I agree. Uh, let's talk about Austin Theory. Poor Austin Theory. Austin Theory was supposed to have a match on NXT this week, and instead he got interrupted by Tommaso Ciampa, who wanted to talk about Johnny Gargano. And at a certain point, Austin Theory thought that it would be a good idea to try to jump Tommaso Ciampa. And Ciampa put an end to that real quick-like before he basically explained that in Tampa Bay, it's going to be Ciampa versus Gargano. It's going to finally be the conclusion to this story, and now we are back basically where we began with each guy playing the opposite role. And then even as Ciampa was leaving, poor Austin Theory decided that he was going to try to jump Ciampa again and got put down by Tommaso Ciampa. And now, Rick, they have booked a match where it's going to be Austin Theory versus Tommaso Ciampa. Like, poor Austin Theory. Like, I feel like the only way that this could possibly end well for Austin Theory is that Tommaso Ciampa basically murders his character. He goes back to the performance center, well, down the street to the performance center, and gets completely repackaged with a new name and a new gimmick, and, like, this is the end of Austin Theory, and we're going to see this performer come back in a, in a completely new moniker because this is going to end this kid. Absolutely, and, and I, you know, really how much did he have going for him? You know, even at his introduction, I remember going back to the takeover when they cut to him and it was almost even amongst that crowd that should have known him was okay. Who? Yeah. Who are you? And he came in, they came in with such promise too, coming over from evolve. He's a hell of a talent. I really like the kid, but I, I feel like this just defined him down so far. Like he's got to be completely repackaged. Uh, how do you feel about Ciampa and Gargano going forward? Are you looking forward to this? Not as, as excited probably as I should be at this point, but it's one of those things that I know you're going to get the best from these two. I know how well they work together, not inside the match. As we know, you know, that's going to, it's going to be what it is. It's going to be entertaining, uh, but I'm interested in this build to see if this is, Stop telling me it's going to be a final chapter. I want a final chapter for a significant amount of time. I trust both of the talents enough to trust that this will be good. I just hope that it's just a regular match. I don't need any stupid stipulations involved. I don't need false count anywhere. I don't need a street fight. I don't need a steel cage. I don't need, you know. What if if they would toss like a loser leaves NXT? If it had a stipulation like that. I, I don't need a gimmick match. Right, exactly. I'm fine with a stip, just not a gimmick. Yeah, that's that's a much better way to say it. Uh, Keith Lee versus Dominic Dickhead. Looks like that's going to continue for one reason or another. Again, after TakeOver Portland, it felt like that was pretty well done and over with, and we could move on. Keith Lee versus somebody else and Dominic Dickhead versus somebody else, but nope, seems like we're still in this never-ending cycle. We absolutely need to move on from these two. And so as we talk about the NXT men's championship picture, uh, I, I still believe, if, and I know you're pitching hard, just get Lee to SmackDown. Yeah. Uh, I, I would completely be with that. But if he's going to be in NXT, I put him in that main event picture. I, I put him in the championship. I could see that too. 
Um, Rick, we got to talk about Bianca Belair. Um, yeah, so there was a match going on between Caden Carter and Chelsea Green, and Bianca Belair came out and interrupted. And, well, here's what she had to say. Oh. Bianca Belair! Yeah. There's a match going on! Now, girl, I done told you that you don't even go here. But since you want to put your hands on me, now I want you here. Charlotte Flair, I'm a whoop that ass. Yeah, Rick, Bianca Belair wants to whoop Charlotte's non-existent ass. And then she let the match continue. I thought this was absolutely fantastic. Once again, Bianca Belair, the brightest thing on NXT television this week. That girl is a freaking star, and she wants to whoop Charlotte Flair's ass. I'm down with it. I'm just terrified this is going to end up a triple threat at WrestleMania. We don't need to to overbook this match at WrestleMania. I don't think they're going to go that route. I think you're going to see this match probably happen at Chamber. Hmm. Okay. Okay. I think you see this happen at the chamber. You can easily. I I could I could see where you don't even have a women's championship match at the chamber, uh, if, especially if we're going with Naomi and and Bailey. If that's the plan to still go forward with that at WrestleMania, and Naomi's got the match at Saudi, right? Yeah. Okay. I, I I thought she would go over Carmella. I just wasn't completely sure. But I'm pretty sure. All right. So you you, you could take that. You could give a break there out of those two. Uh, Becky doesn't have anyone really lined up at this point. She's going to be having her eye on that chamber match. So you could go with the chamber and, and I think you, uh, which would be bigger than any title match, women's title match that you could have there would be a, just a grudge match between Bel Air and Charlotte. Yeah, no, I'm down with it, man. I want to see that match. I think I'm almost more interested in that matchup than I am Charlotte versus Ripley at this point. I, I'm not going to go that far with you. I still think your bigger money is with Ripley, but but I, I do worry a little bit here that that Belair is being placed in that Oscar role. I feel like Belair's star is rising so quickly, and I feel like Ripley's stock is dropping rapidly for about the last month and a half. And a lot of that comes down to the management and creative where they're trying to manufacture something absolutely uh, uh, opposed to something that is happening organically, you know, just right before their eyes. Yep. Dream gets one up on Roddy, but of course the undisputed era stands tall. Rick, I feel like I just don't care. Like Velveteen Dream is being such a dick in this thing that like, I almost want to see Roddy whip his ass. Well, you know, even in the mention, you know, where Roddy's going out there, he's like, you went after my family. You talked about my wife. You talked about my son. I mean, like, I kind of want to see Dream get his ass whipped. Right. I mean, it's it's really where, you know, Roddy's in the Jake Roberts role where Dream is in the Rick Rude role. Right. And who were we rooting for then? Who were we intended to root for there? It's just. And I get, I get, you know, Dream is that that edgy, he's in your head kind of guy. That, that's what he does. It's the mind games. He's going to manipulate 
whatever around you to, to try to mentally break you. But he's coming off as a, as a real dick. It, it, I guess you know, they're going with... You've got that villainish baby versus the cool heel. I mean, and I don't even know how much Roddy fits into that cool heel thing. Well, with I mean, Undisputed Era, you know? I guess that's the thing, right? Because I feel like where this is going is Dream is going to end this thing with Roddy and move on to Adam Cole. And it's supposed to be Velveteen Dream as the baby face versus Adam Cole as the heel in Tampa for the NXT championship. And I feel like I want to see Adam Cole whip his ass. Yeah. Uh, it's... And, and I, I guess, you know, in their mind, they, they want to stay true to these these personas. But when you start complexing it, you start really confusing the audience and dividing them, which only makes it makes your job creatively that much tougher. Yeah, I, I feel like we're, we're trying to swim upstream here. And it, it's just I mean, even even when you had personalities as such as, you know, The Rock and Austin, they were clearly defined of who was. You know, who we were supposed to be rooting for and who you were supposed to be booing. Yeah. Even though that both personalities could go either way, they, they would, they drew that line in the sand and we knew where they lined up. Yep. Yep. Uh, let's talk about Tiger Hattori as we wrap things up this week. We got to see the Tiger Hattori retirement event uh, Monday in the locker room. We will do a full rundown of the New Japan road matches. Got to see a couple of championships change hands over there in Japan over the course of this week. Uh, but Rick, I felt like Tiger deserved kind of his own little thing here. They they did his retirement at the end of uh, the show, and then uh, we get to see Nakanishi's retirement here over the weekend. Um, New Japan does these things so incredibly well. It's like I didn't even understand what was being said, but it was just it, it's done and it's presented so nicely. That, you know, even sitting, you know, at work in the dark, watching it on my laptop, it's just like, damn, people love Tiger Hattori. The guy's a referee for fuck's sake. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I still have to get some some catching up to do. Uh, probably Sunday is, you know, as we prepare for Monday's conversation about this. But I, I can just imagine, you know, seeing a handful of these retirement ceremonies from New Japan. You're exactly right, Jar, right? You don't even exactly need to know what's said because it's the power of the moment and the body language and the atmosphere. It's very moving. Yeah, very, very well done. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then visit the entire HTM podcast network online, hitting the marks. Dot com. Be sure that you find Huckleberry and I over in the locker room this Monday, Hameen Media, hackerhameen.podbean.com. Be sure that you visit our friends over at thegorillaposition.com where they tell the stories, pro wrestling storytellers. Get all the latest news from Last Word on prowrestling.com and our friends over at ndpw.com. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. I'll probably be talking about uh, the, the Fury versus Wilder fight tonight. I can't wait. Huckleberry, what are you up to for the rest of the weekend before we talk to you Monday inside the locker room. I say, you know, right now it's going to be uh, when we're done, it's going to be right up the, the promo and I got to be on the run heading down to Aurora for night two of battle on the border pro wrestling. Looking forward to uh, another exciting lineup. We got a big women's championship match. Congo Kong, one half of the 
the uh, Towers of Terror, along with Ben Hameen. He successfully defended the Battle on the Border Heavyweight Championship last night, so he's going to be in action again against the, the baddest man alive, Aaron Williams, a tremendous in town. Looking forward to that match. Then, hey, after the show gets wrapped up, it's off to, to find somewhere that's going to be airing. It's, it's going to be a, a number of places airing the big bout. Uh, the heavyweight's going to be throwing down, checking out, and then getting caught up tomorrow. So hopefully I'll be active across this week tomorrow. So you can keep up with me at The Real RBB. We'll talk to you Monday inside the locker room. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! Watch your fingers. Label me. Don't give up. You bad guy! Yeah.